and welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships and life itself. We have a great show lined up for you today as we focus on a single question. Is there a fountain of youth? The dream of an extended life or perhaps the highest quality of living way into old age is a topic scientists and pharmaceutical companies are wrapping their brains around for decades. Today, we are taking a much more holistic and natural look at this question. Eat well, live long, food for longevity, our topic today with a fantastic guest, Rebecca Katz, the author of Longevity Kitchen. You're listening to An Organic Conversation, and we are your hosts, Helga Helberg. Mark Bouquet. And Sitarani Palomar. Well, before we dive into the topic, Mark, we had such an interesting conversation with you before we came into the studio. You were sharing about a, a rather reflective experience you're having right now that started off as a physical observation, but is kind of transformed into a, a, a greater look at the rhythm of life. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, all right. Right now, I'm doing so, I'm doing some body work, and for years, my hips have been really tight, and so we're work, we're doing some body work to loosen up my hips and actually realign my body so that I can walk as opposed to the way I used to walk with kind of a limp. It's actually a form of rolfing. Yes, I believe stemming from Germany. Well, uh, of course, and everything if, comes can from you ex Can you explain what that is like? Well, many people might have heard it, but don't really, yeah, have not experienced it themselves. The treatment that I'm going through right now involves me working with a therapist. What she's, what we're doing is, is she is doing some deep tissue work in, in different parts of my body. And then we're in conversation about what is occurring for me when that those certain parts of my body are either being pushed into or being manipulated and so it's a very slow very very deep intense pressure inch right? by inch massage right it, pressure Sque on squeezing you out really uh, <laughs> you know pressure on particular areas that has been agreed to on how, what we're going to work on that day and based on her intuition of what my body is telling her and so i've done a couple of these treatments and i i haven't just really quickly is i've walked with a limp uh, my shoulders have not been level. I've walked with a little bit of a lean forward. And all of these things, have I've been doing this these for years and just kind of just accepted it, so to speak, and just didn't do anything about it. Well, now I'm doing something about it, and I have a wonderful practitioner who's working with me. And what really is happening is now that my hips are being realigned and I'm actually learning to walk again, which is I actually do feel like a, a one-year-old who's actually getting up on his feet for the first time. And I actually find myself walking in a side to side hitch. And then I stop myself and literally put one foot in front of the other. And it's the, it's the most, it's the strangest thing in the world to actually stop straighten my back and then walk forward as it feels, it feels foreign to me. It's like Which a brand new thing. I believe many people in, in, in their, you know, beauty of life, middle age, don't pay attention to posture and whether it's walking or being being perfectly aligned, upright, you know, standing right. Um, you know, we go to work, we have shoes that should have been resold three years ago, whatever, or schlepping a heavy bag, you know, to work, uh, whatever it may be. But that over years and years and years does cause the body to misalign in a way. And whether it's walking or standing, I think it's a really good reminder 
reminder to watch your posture, maybe even watch your breathing with it. And um, it's amazing what, what one may find of how out of, <laughs> out, of, out of alignment we actually all are. In more ways than one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And part, another thing that I find so so wonderful about what you're doing is you're, you're asking your body to let go of habit and old routine, which oh, is yes. a hard thing to do. It's so easy to do what's comfortable, to do what's familiar, you know, and it isn't necessarily the, the right choice for you. And you have to learn how to step out of your comfort zone, literally and figuratively. <laughs> and, and, you know, the interesting thing is, is this was all about my hips and my, and my body. And what I'm really finding out is it's really about how I view many things and what I'm willing to let go or create in you know in this process because it there's also a letting go of just like you said just the comfort place even if it doesn't fit you and willing to is really important because in order to make this kind of a habit shift it takes a tremendous amount of dedication to the new way cuz that's the foreign well, way well that's what produce does right <laughs> 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 it always comes back to yeah. that, yes. <laughs> You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. <laughs> and today we are talking about longevity food, how to stay youthful, happy, healthy, and inflammation-free way into old age. That and more when we come back. Stay tuned. Back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Uh, topping in this hour is longevity food. How to eat well and live long with the author of The Longevity Kitchen, Rebecca Katz. Joining us today for an extraordinary hour of health way into old age. But before we dive into the topic... Here's our weekly update from the world of health and beauty. Here's Chef Sita and her holistic bite. Well, several weeks ago, I shared some tips on how to bring ourselves into the present moment. Things like only checking email twice a day, uh, using aromatherapy to wind down before you go to bed, and how to give yourself a mini hot stone massage. Today, I want to expand on those tips with three more tips, but these ones in particular are great for promoting energy. So I have three tips for you, and they apply to three different times of day. And the very first one is eating breakfast first. Not just eating breakfast, which for some people is a dramatic change to begin with, actually taking the time to eat breakfast, but eating breakfast before you do anything else in the morning, before you take a shower, before you do your hair, before you walk the dog, whatever it is that 
is the first thing you do when you jump out of bed. It creates a rushedness to your day. It creates, I'm already on task the minute I put my feet on the floor and get out of the bed. By taking the time to have breakfast beforehand, you're giving yourself an opportunity to get fuel, but also to get some balance and some patience in your life. And it dictates the tone of your day. It's a great way to get some energy and not just the food energy, but really kind of the mental clarity energy as well. Another thing you can do midday, right about that time when you start to get the munchies, when it's like three o'clock and it's time for a cup of coffee or it's time for a cookie or whatever you feel like is the necessary thing to let you keep looking at the screen for another two or three hours. That is a great time to take a walk. Get outside, breathe the fresh air, put one foot in front of the other, maybe on the way to get your coffee or on the way to get your, your cup of tea or your cookie or whatever it is, but incorporate it with an opportunity to move your body, to get some circulation and some oxygen into your body, and to change your surroundings. Because the more time that we spend sitting in the same place, it's just... It starts to drain us of our physical and our mental energy, and changing your surroundings gives you an opportunity to get yourself back in place. And then the last one is actually, I think, one of the most remarkable things I've learned in the last few months, and that's at nighttime, making sure we shut off our devices at least one to two hours before we go to bed. And I'm talking about things like your telephone, your, your, your cell phone in particular, your laptop, your tablet, Whatever is your guilty pleasure for reading or searching the internet, whatever those things happen to be. Because new research is showing that the blue light that we get from these LED screens actually delays the release of melatonin, which is the hormone that helps to regulate our sleep. And some of the research that's been done from, from Mayo Clinic to the Lighting Research Center at Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute in New York are saying that prolonged exposure to reading um, a tablet instead of reading a book or searching on your telephone or watching a movie on your computer, prolonged exposure to that is actually potentially going to disrupt your circadian rhythm over time and actually change. The the circadian rhythm is actually the internal clock that tells you when it's time to go to sleep and when it's time to get up. And if we're naturally used to going to sleep around 9 p.m. or winding down at 9 p.m., but at that time we're still playing with our devices, that blue light is actually more closely related to daytime light than it is to evening light. And so it throws off our body's understanding of what time of day it is and whether or not it's time to go to bed. So if you can make a commitment to put away your devices one to two hours before bed, let yourself calm down. You're giving yourself an opportunity for a really good night's sleep and preparing yourself for even more energy the following day. And that was this week's Holistic Bite. Wow. The munchies, circadian rhythm. What's happening? <laughs> you always pick out a that couple of my so words. That is so funny. <laughs> yeah. It's like words I've never heard before. I wonder if they called it the circadian rhythm of internal clock because of the the cic- oh, cicadas? cicadas that you hear um, that tell you it's kind of come nightfall. At, well, Mark, you're smiling. You love cicadas. I, I, I'm just listening. <laughs> this is a, an amazing theory. It's a creative free where, flow here. Where it would come from. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. I, and I never would have considered that that would have come from circadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah circadian. Yeah. Um, or Arcadian or something like that. <laughs> you know, the thing about all these great tips, great, great tips I was sitting there listen, when I was listening to you. But for me, it's that. I think not just the blue light, which they've obviously are showing that it disrupts it, but it's letting your brain move from the day 
to the night. And if you've shut your tablet down, if you're not reading, if you're not might have that chance that you might have to look at an email or you might need to look at that text that came in. If you leave that alone and actually bring, let your mind go to a different place, then actually your brain is calmer. Your mind is calmer too going into that besides that. I, and in, interesting with the eyes, right? Blue light that makes total sense to me. Um, basically the eyes are the, the holes into the brain. It's eyes, brain right there, right? It's the closest organ to the brain itself. I'm sure there's electromagnetic research that has been done of being exposed to electronic devices right before you sleep, mm. how they change. And Mark, you're right. Whatever just came in that last email will be on your mind, <laughs> however positive or negative it may be. But I can assure you that consciously or not, whatever you were just thinking of will stick with you for a while before it all mellows down and yeah just having a nice cup of tea for the last 20 minutes before you go to bed and then waking up with some breakfast before you do anything yes it's a routine i i adopted a couple months ago it's hard because i'm almost you know almost i'm almost pregnant i almost have morning sickness when i wake up i'm I'm just not hungry i can't think of food and yet when you do it it sets the tone for the entire day it's it's amazing it's day and night if you drink a lot and you start with drink a lot of water and you start with a tiny breakfast of some fruit and some granola or whatever you do it literally changes the way you experience life for that day i can assure you it's i've i didn't expect this and yeah quite impressive that little change and with helga almost being pregnant you might want to do some pregnancy tips next time for your holistic yeah Yeah. we have a great show coming up rebecca katz is joining us today she's the author of food for longevity in this hour as we are dedicating this hour to the single question of is there a fountain of youth of course the way we ask that question is what foods ensure the highest quality and the longest life we could possibly enjoy. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. We'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Spicely Organics offers more than 200 different organic spices and dried herbs to choose from. Classics like oregano and cumin, exotics like aji amarillo, and blends like tikka masala. Spicely helps nourish your body while embracing sustainable, eco-friendly, and ethical practices always. Take wellness into your own hands and creativity into your own kitchen. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at spicely.com. And we're back here to an again conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Again, our guest today is Rebecca Katz, the author of Longevity Kitchen, The Longevity Kitchen. And you can check out her website at RebeccaKatz.com. That's Rebecca and then K-A-T-Z.com. An expert really in, in yummy nutrition, as we will find, and using holistic nutrition as a way to stay healthy, to fight cancer, and to live Um, well and prosperous. She's joining us today from San Rafael, California, right around the corner where the show is actually produced. Rebecca, are you with us? Yes, thank you for having me. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Pleasure to have you. 
Rebecca, I, I was uh, paging through the book last night, which I absolutely love, and it's so easy to use, and it's uh, really well laid out, and I just love your whole idea of, of how you approach flavor, and um, coming from a produce guy, that really uh, uh, is, Means a, a is, lot. A, is a big compliment. <laughs> um, so, but the thing that intrigued me is we've had people on who've talked about cancer-fighting foods, and we've had people on who've talked about foods that fight infl- in inflammation. But what are longevity foods, and, and what do they do? Longevity foods still fall into the category of anti-inflammatory, uh, anti-carcinogenic, blood sugar regulators. You know, longevity foods really are eating whole foods in their yummiest way so that you can expand your health span. Longevity foods aren't about living to your 105 and feeling yucky. It's like longevity foods are those foods that are super high in antioxidants and all those great phytochemicals and everything else, but prepared with an eye towards a little bit of wisdom and flavor. And uh, I chose foods that really have been around for a really long time. So it's not like, uh, you know, you're going to see the latest superfood goji berry hybrid or something that you can't find. I mean, these are pomegranates and which have been around for 5,000 years. I think the sweet potato has been around for 6,000 years. Um, Blueberries, kale, none of these, all of these foods are familiar. Mm -hmm. So and, and you know, and and you know, a very good point that you're bringing up is when I used to work the produce stand, people would come up and say, "What is what's the green that I should eat?" And I, <laughs> right. you know, you know, and I would say, <laughs> "You should eat the green that you will eat." You know, yes. you should not just buy dandelion greens because they're higher in this, or or kale because it's richer in this. You should buy the green that you know that when you take it home and get it in your fridge, that you're going to actually enjoy because the enjoyment factor has a huge place in how you take your food and your nutrients and just um, what you actually get out of the food. I wish you could see me right now. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, you know, nodding my head. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) This is is truly, when you're talking about eating for nourishment, it's so important to pick, you know, one person's dandelion greens is another person's kale or another person's broccoli is another person's sweet potatoes. I mean, we all are very individual in terms of our how we perceive taste and flavor. And uh, there's a chapter, there's just a little mini chapter in the book called Finding Your Culinary GPS. And it's, it's definitely important not to eat what you think the quote-unquote latest thing is, but what's going to resonate with you? So I, I think that's so such an important thing. And it's so funny when people, you know, finally make the New Year's resolution or whatever, whatever uh. takes them off to to go way more into the produce world. I love when it's the shopping cart full of produce and half will spoil at home. That oh. you know, the, the, when you when when Mark is being asked, what's the green I should eat? It, the answer of eat what you will eat is so important because nothing is more disheartening than throwing away three heads of lettuces and, you know, the, the cucumber that where you bought three different ones and two you didn't like or you forgot and, and the carrots turned 
in, you know, too soft, whatever it may be. But when we turn to produce, it's actually amazing how little you need in order to feel full and nourished. And if you overbuy, it's really sad to throw that away and it might turn somebody off to shop again. So, you know, start with what you know you love and then build up from there. Is that is that a pretty good advice, Rebecca? I think it's a great advice. And I'm going to add one thing, uh, one thing to it. From a culinary perspective, the best thing you can do when you come back from the market is to take 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and let's say you bought a bunch of kale because you're enjoying kale right now. Do the strip and rip. You know, take it off the spine, you know, tear it up into bite-sized pieces, put it in a container with a, a paper towel on it so that it's, or break down your broccoli, you know, make it so that you are going to see it in your refrigerator so that when six o'clock comes around, <laughs> you are going to use it. And it's not going to be hiding in the back yeah. of the crisper drawer and uh, turning into a science experiment. Yeah, or you, you pull that pizza order sheet out after all. <laughs> I know, um, it's true. I, yeah. think, I think half of it is really, one, don't overbuy. Two, don't buy what you think you should buy. Buy what you like. Because anything that you're going to get from your farmer's market or in the vegetable section is going to be better than the pizza that you're going to order at the last minute. Yes. And be your own prep cook, like, immediately. We're speaking with Rebecca Katz, the author of The Longevity Kitchen in this hour that is dedicated to living the most vital life that you could all the way into high age. And, Rebecca, I do want to ask, uh, Mark mentioned, you know, inflammation, um, cancer, other stresses that the body may experience. Uh, in the In the focus or in the angle of... Um, longevity, what is the most harmful or is there one thing that sticks out? Is it oxidative cell stress or is it inflammation? Is that one and the same really basically on a cellular level? What, in addition to eating produce, which is what produce then addresses, what is the, the single greatest factor for ill health in higher age specifically when we talk about longevity? Well, I think it's pretty much the trio of oxidative stress for sure. Inflammation, but that really is a result of oxidative stress and blood sugar regulation. So, but I think oxidative stress, because that's what really is putting the stress on the cells. It's like, you know, when I explain oxidation to people uh, who are kind of, they, they, they hear about antioxidants or free radicals or oxidative stress, and they hear it, but they're, they're, not, they, they're not quite sure what it is. And so basically, the older that we get, the more, it's almost like uh, if you look at an old car that hasn't been taken care of, and it develops rust. And uh, the older that we get, the more um, we are exposed to, you know, we've been around longer, so we've been exposed to a lot of environmental factors. So eating well becomes really important because we need those antioxidants to sort of rub away at that internal rust. It's like if you were to cut open an apple and leave it, it would turn brown. But if you put some lemon juice on it and acid, something, and lemons just happen to be very high in antioxidants, it won't turn brown. 
that's kind of the way I look at longevity. I think um, oxidative stress would be absolutely number one because it, it really starts the cascade going to all of these other issues that come about. Yeah, great, great point that even our uptake might be compromised or our gut flora might not be optimal in higher age than when we are 20. So even more important then to make adjustments to your diet to make sure the, the nutrients are, are optimal, right? Well, something I like about this approach, too, because we, we have talked about foods that fight inflammation on the show before, but we come at it, we have in the past come at it from a place of, you know, if, if you're having joint issues or if you're feeling, you know, stiffness in your body or pain in your body, anti-inflammatory foods will help to combat that. Not, not at that point looking at it from the perspective that you're sharing with us today, which is it's not just about getting relief from something and reducing the inflammation that you feel in your body. It's reducing inflammation that you may not be aware aware of that's a precursor to a lot of these, you know, age-promoting diseases that we see later in life. Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about sort of looking at this from a, a really holistic perspective. And I assume, I mean, this is just, you know, you know, you get to a certain age, and I'm going to say, you know, starting in your 30s, that we all have some sort of inflammation going on in our body mm -hmm. because or we had all our wow. because what we're exposed to in our environment and then arthritis i mean really from internal health to bone health to the connective tissue it's all affected um, yeah. the, the 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 more we age of course yeah so i i look at this as 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 uh an insurance policy <laughs> because um and not something that we need to wait to do. I started eating better, I think, in my 30s. That's when, when things started to shift for me. And we want to dive into exactly the foods and um, your cookbooks and what people can take from this show and implement into their lives. We're speaking with Rebecca Katz, the author of The Longevity Kitchen and really an expert on combining science and wisdom and food to the total flavor experience, which she calls the yum factor. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, stay with us. Um, we'll be right back with more. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. I'm Mark Bouquet. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we are back to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. In this hour, we're looking at longevity foods. 
how to stay active and healthy, as healthy as we can be even into old age. With us is Rebecca Katz, the author of The Longevity Kitchen. Her website, filled with great information, is Rebecca Katz, K-A-T-Z dot com, who's joining us today from San Rafael, California. So, Rebecca, you've been mentioning a few foods, and... I it hasn't slipped my attention. I can't <laughs> help but notice that 11 of the top 16 longevity foods that we're talking about that are so great for us are produce items. <laughs> I, I don't know why I, I recognize yeah, that. Pointing but, uh, that out. <laughs> so my question to you is, does eating more produce really make that big of a difference in 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 our in our daily lives and our and being healthier you know. and, and why finally proving mark's point <laughs> is there actually a why or is it are you guys in cahoots yeah that's right yeah i have to say that that mark and i did not have a conversation <laughs> yeah, i don't believe that but yeah <laughs> we we are not in cahoots but i have to say mark i hope i make your day when i say this but yes eating more produce so incredibly helpful because at the end of the day, plants do an amazing thing, you know. they Besides the fact that they have a ton of antioxidants, the unbelievable amount of phytochemicals in them, those, those chemicals that are developed because those plants have to survive and thrive um, under unbelievable stress are the things that are passed on to us. And you just, you can't get enough of them, as far as I'm concerned. I, they are the number one. I mean, I, I have other foods in as my longevity foods, so, you know, some favorites or things that are also high in antioxidants. But I have to say that the fruits and vegetables are Number that, one. That's so interesting, Rebecca, the way you, you framed it. It's not that, you know, broccoli has some minerals and some vitamin C in it. You're actually saying that the the properties that makes the plant survive are are similar, if not identical, to the properties that we need to survive. Whatever fights inflammation or attacks in the plant could be eaten and it's almost it's literally medicine. It's medicine in, in not just in a um, you know metaphorical way, but <clears throat> we are we are eating the properties that protect the plant that then will be ingested and protect us. Is it really that direct? It's that direct. It really is, and it's it's interesting. You know, when I when I do all this research and I look at the science, and then I just I, I marvel at it because I mean, really, there are just there's so many unbelievable things and you know there are all those fancy words i mean when we talk about phytochemicals we can divide them into you know flavonoids and you know carotenoids and you know all these different specific little things but i'll take mint for example mint which is the weed that grows everywhere is like one of the most unbelievable little it's like a little mini culinary pharmacy in and of itself and you don't need much of it. So, and that's like, I mean, how easy is it to chop mint and put it in your salads? Mm. And so I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed. And yet I think to myself, gosh, I can I just go back to the wisdom of our elders. I mean, this is truly the way people ate because it was the only way to eat. Unadulterated and yeah. 
yeah. directly from the land. I love your example yeah. of mint too, because it's a it's a flavor that packs a lot of punch in a little bit, and and I find that even just a a, a leaf of mint, a leaf of basil, a leaf of cilantro in a wrap takes it from kind of ordinary to extraordinary. And this is this is a place where you really excel. I mean, I really think that your reputation is one that's building flavor that is memorable. I mean, I've, I've been with your cooking classes before. I'm really familiar with all of your books. Cancer Fighting Kitchen and One Bite at a Time are basically textbooks at, at you know, a lot of the culinary schools where I've worked. So so looking at this formula that you've created that have that has made these books such a success, you are you are helping people find the flavor in their foods by balancing ingredients to create the optimal experience. Can you share that with us? Because it's once you learn it, once you learn it, you remember it forever, and it makes everybody, every home cook or every person who's never even picked up a kitchen knife and a mint have the tools to create something that they'll love and that their family will love. Well, it's my favorite thing because, you know, great taste and great nutrition cannot sit at opposite sides of the table. I mean, if it doesn't taste good, it's not good and you won't eat it. So um, my, my, the acronym that you're talking about and what I employ when I teach and I write is something called FAS, F-A-S-S, and it stands for fat, acid, salt, and sweet. Now, this is not the dark side of fast. This isn't like fast food, processed food kind of thing. This is like fat, meaning good fats like olive oils and coconut oil and, and uh, avocados and nut creams and acid would be lemons and limes and, and salt would be sea salt. And my sweet is grade B maple syrup. And the way they work is when you think about fat, fat is, is something that satiates. And fat moves across the taste buds like a little magic carpet. It transfers this back and forth, and it carries flavor. So it's almost like a taxi cab making multiple stops along your taste buds to make sure that the flavor gets there. And then acid is like... Uh, they're like acids, like lemons and limes. I love citrus. And they're like Pixar animated characters. They go in, <laughs> and their job is to brighten things, you know? And then sea salt is like a little scrubbing bubble. And it goes into the food, and it pulls out its natural flavors. And then the sweet, and when I say I use a little bit of maple syrup, I mean, I am talking like, like medicinal, I call it a drape of mape. I mean, it's really <laughs> small, right? And that brings out the roundness. Now, why are these? Why is it important to balance flavor? I mean, this is something um, that I learned from my great grandmother. I would watch her. She would do a pinch of this, a splash of that, or whatever. And um, it's what great chefs do. Um, and only they, they do it with a lot of butter. They usually do it with a lot of fat. Um, but for the home cook to understand that, you know, when you go through a recipe, you oftentimes will go through a recipe and you'll get to the end and you'll go, what? This isn't quite great. It's like I, I wanted it to be better. 
And a lot of times um, it could be that your ingredients are, are a little different. It's the time of year. It could be the way the recipe is written. But if you understand, like if you taste your food and you say, hmm, I, it, the, the flavor needs to move to the front of the, of the palate, to mm-hmm. the top of the tongue. I call it the yum button. And if I, were, if I were rating something, right, and I'm cooking and I'm like, on a scale of 1 to 10, where am I? Let's say I'm making a soup. And I go, you know what? I'm at a 5. Well, five isn't acceptable. You know, who wants to eat a five when you can eat a ten, right? So I just play with these little characters. I go, "Mm, you know what? It's tasting bland. If it's tasting bland, it means I need some more salt. So I'm going to add a little bit more salt. And I'm not going to be freaked out about adding sea salt because I'm working with whole foods. So I'm not, you know, it's not like I'm, having all this synthetic sodium in my food, you know, I, I'm, you know, I've got foods, I'm working with whole foods, they're rich in potassium, so to add some sodium to balance, it's fine, and I, so I'm going to bring the flavor forward, and I'm going to use a little bit of sea salt, then I'm like, okay, hmm, but I, I, it kind of is a little, it's, it's better, but it feels like it could be brighter, so I'm just going to use like a spritz of lemon, just a spritz of lemon or a spritz of lime. Wow, now it's really getting better. Or maybe something is like a little bit too bitter um, and it needs to be tamed down a bit. So I'm going to use like a little bit, like maybe an eighth of a teaspoon of gray bee maple syrup. And that just takes it and rounds it off. And all of a sudden it's like, wow. So each player in the band of, of the fat, acid, salty, sweet, of the flavor characters has a specific role and in terms of carrying that taste and flavor around. Mm. And I think it's really important, you know, when we're talking about cooking with whole foods, that we really emphasize taste and flavor, you know, whether it's texture, whether, it's, whether the flavors are balanced, whether we're using lots of herbs and spices. I mean, these are the things that really make things memorable. And, and I think also um, one of the things that I, I did want to say about balancing flavor with, with fast is that all of these have a culinary function, but they also have a nutritional function. Like, for example, when we use healthy fats, we optimize antioxidants, and we're also upping the ante on anti-inflammatory, and we're also helping with blood sugar regulation. And then when we're using acid, we're increasing our ability to absorb minerals and stimulate digestion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually, actually, there's a great example of when you use uh, mandarin oranges in a spinach salad, you can actually, because you're combining those two things, that you actually get more iron out of the spinach. <laughs> well, and That's- in Germany, Helga, you say if you get a carrot, if you get carrot juice, they ask if you want oil or cream because you need the fat in order to absorb the beta carotene. That's right. right. You don't have to order it. They just ask you which version you like right. better. <laughs> They'll either put a drop of olive oil or really? a drop of cream. Oil or cream. And if you're not from Germany, people are like, what? No, <laughs> carrot juice. Yeah, that's right. Well, this is 
Rebecca, yeah. Rebecca Katz, author of The Longevity Kitchen. Rebecca, we're almost out of time, but I do want to hear just the the list, the top 16 longevity oh, foods. We okay. know that 11 of them are produce items, but five are not. So can you just list them? And we'll put them up on Facebook as well. That's facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. If you listen to the show on the road, don't um, you know try to, dry, to write something down while you drive. But um, what are the 16? longevity foods? Uh, I'm going to list them in alphabetical order. Okay, great. Asparagus, avocado, basil and mint, blueberries and other dark berries, coffee, dark chocolate, garlic, green tea, kale, but anything in the brassica family, whatever turns you on, olive oil, pomegranates, sweet potatoes, thyme, walnuts, wild salmon, and yogurt. Well, if you eat all of those Great. things throughout the week, you'll never want for anything, will you'll you? You'll be 200 you know. at one point. <laughs> Healthy, helpfully. Thank you for joining us, Rebecca. Rebecca, Such you have pleasure. so much information to share. We're really grateful that you were able to share with us. And we look forward to speaking with you again about future books and encouraging all of our listeners to visit your website, RebeccaKatz.com, to check out Longevity Kitchen and your other fantastic cookbooks. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. Great conversation. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you. That's Rebecca Katz, again, the author of The Longevity Kitchen, who joined us today from San Rafael, California. Her website is Rebecca Katz, K-A-T-Z dot com. Great information on her site. And if you are not familiar with her writing, um, a really wonderful book. And Sita, you have worked with her. Well, yeah, I've assisted some of her cooking classes. She does great public cooking classes. She also does excellent workshops. And when I was the culinary program director at Bowman College, she has really, really great relationship with some of the instructors and the and the students and the staff there. So she's, you know, always offering great workshops. And her cookbooks, like I said, are all practically textbooks for how to eat well and live long. So, And that's really our topic today, Eat Well, Live Long, Food for Longevity, here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helge Helber. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And coming up is something a little <coughs> spicy. <laughs> 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 What's in season is next. Stay tuned. Produce is ever-changing. Seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. Spicely Organics' emphasis has long been on the natural health benefits of organic spices. And now, Spicely is excited to share more health benefits with the introduction of their hand-blended organic teas. Choose from black, green, white, mate, oolong, pu'er, and herbals blended with their signature spices like vanilla rooibos, sweet turmeric, and honey lavender. Spicely Organics, teas, spices, and dried herbs at your natural food store and online at Spicely.com.
We're back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Wilkehi. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And that was a wonderful conversation with Rebecca Katz, the author of The Longevity Kitchen, who joined us from San Rafael, California. Her website is RebeccaKatz.com. Our episode this week is Eat Well, Live Long, Food for Longevity. And now, as one of those foods, I'm not sure, did she mention that? No, but, no, uh, but we're we about will ready find to. out. Here is our very own Mark Mokehi, our produce expert, par excellence, with the weekly update from what's going on on the produce dock and in the world of fruits and vegetable. Mark, what's in season? Well, for a quick question for you, before we get too much into this um, and start talking about it, what I want to talk about on the, you know, on the trail of what uh, Rebecca's already been talking about, what we're going to talk about today is known to clear congestion, boost immunity, help stop the spread of prostate cancer, prevent stomach ulcers, help you lose weight, um, is high in vitamin C, helps with cardiovascular disease, and hmm. there, there's a They're plentiful right now. Must be a produce item. <laughs> <laughs> I would think something hot. Something uh, like spicy. Peppery, some kind of pepper. Mark. Well, and you would because you're so familiar with them growing up in Germany. I'm, but, <laughs> the abundance of yeah, peppers in but, Germany. But you're, you're right, Helga. Today we're talking about hot peppers. They're all over the farmer's market. They're all over your stores. Um, we often don't see as many as I would like to see in many stores be, because people just don't buy a lot of them in many communities around the country. And that's hot peppers. Um, I think often we can be a little afraid of them, you know, because of their spiciness. And maybe we had one and you had a habanero and said, man, I'm never putting that in my mouth ever again. And Or a serrano or, or my something eye. like that. Or my eye yeah. or something like that. <laughs> right. But they're really great for you. And right now is the time where you can get a really wide variety at your store. And normally at this time is when I would be calling Earl. Earl Herrick from the produce market, Earl's Organic Produce in San Francisco. But Earl's not joining us today, but he'll be back. He'll be back here soon. Um, so I'm just going to take this with you you and Sita, and we can just kind of throw around a little bit yeah, of a... Uh, ask me anything. Yeah, because I, will, you I will this, find it was an expertise. <laughs> you will find a big blank. <laughs> I mean, well, Mark, I think it's interesting what you said about how, you know, some people might be afraid of chili peppers. And I think that there's, there's a little bit of unpredictability there because sometimes you can get a pepper, like a jalapeno, for example, and it's really mild. And then the next time you get a jalapeno and it's incredibly spicy and it was hard for you to know which one you're going to get. So that's a little bit of what the hesitation sure. is, I think, for some people. Sure. But there are some really great peppers that are not the super spicy kind, mm -hmm. things like Anaheim and Poblano, mm -hmm. which maybe you're going to tell us about today. Or yeah. there's the, um, what do they offer in restaurants now where you do get them grilled and every eight one is um, is spicy, but seven out of Padron. eight. Are yeah, Padron. Padron peppers. peppers. Yeah, Padron uh -huh. peppers. Delicious. But if you hit that spicy one, I mean, it's not <laughs> extremely spicy. There are peppers. That's my experience. You know, Hamburg, 
doesn't cook with lots of um, that kind of spice, but it's a no. culturally very diverse mm-hmm. um, country. So mm-hmm. you have these farmers markets where they offer 15 different peppers and nobody knows what to do with them. And I touched one once and that was it. I didn't even eat it. And that stayed with me for about two hours. It was that hot. So I understand why people, you know, have a fair respect. It's like survival, basically, <laughs> right. with some right. of these peppers right. because the oil already, you don't even need to eat it, is so spicy that, mm-hmm. yeah, if you touch any of your mucus, your eyes, or that burns really bad. But and, and, what do you well, recommend, and, Mark? And, and, that, and that's, that's all, in all fairness, I mean, if you have a bad experience or if it was too spicy or too hot for you and you found your tongue burning or something like that, I could get why you'd be afraid of it and you might not go back. But it, I really would recommend that you at least give give something a try because as Sita was saying, sometimes they vary in heat and you could just take a little teeny bit and put it on your tongue and it'll tell you more about whether or not it's Uh going to be a really hot jalapeno or a milder jalapeno. And also, if you're really trying to lessen the heat, well, first of all, you know, if you don't want to have Helga's experience, you can handle them with rubber gloves if you happen to have them around your house. If not, once you've done, you're done handling them, make sure you wash not only your hands, but your cutting board and your knife really well and don't put it anywhere near your eyes or your mouth. And what you, sh- what you can do is if you take out that white membrane and you take out the seeds, that'll lessen the heat factor but it also lessens the flavor factor. So you have to kind of play with that. They do need, you do have to play with them and you need to ask and you need to, and you need to just kind of do some research on your own. Um, you want to make sure that they're bright and that just have vivid, deep colors and that their, their skin is really firm and that, and their stems shouldn't be dried out. They should be really hardy. And then with the exception of jalapenos, which you, you do find with lots of cracks in them, you, they shouldn't have any cracks in them. That's just a, a normal thing in a lot of jalapenos to have those surface cracks on mm-hmm. the outside. Um, and when you get them home, you want to put your unwashed peppers in paper bags in the refrigerator. They should keep about a week. You do not want to store them in plastic because as plastic as the condensation develops in plastic, it breaks those peppers down really quickly, and then you get a lot of mold problems, and then you don't you don't want to deal with that. So I would go out there and try them. If you're looking for milder, Sita had some great recommendations, and we can put some up on Facebook too. But I also will grill them. Once I take the seeds out, like of a poblano or a serrano, or delicious. and I'll take the seeds out and I'll just put them on the grill really, and just really quick, like a quick, a hot grill, a really quick sear and it kind of takes a little of that heat out but it still gives you that flavor and it, it brings the sugar out actually it balances the heat a- right absolutely That's right absolutely yeah. Yeah, and they're then, much less hot when you grill them and i put i i put that in salads i chop it up and we'll put it in mm. egg salad or something like that just as nice. a teeny little bit of flavor enhancer and i just you know it's just my recommendation that if you're going to go out and experiment with hot peppers now's the time and you have lots of variety and there's a lot more known about them, so you can actually get some information you need to get started. You do get them year-round, though, right? Because they dry well. Not, you get them dried, the and you do get them year-round. They don't have the same quality because they're shipped usually further at that point. Uh-huh. Um, so, But most of your local markets now are probably having them where they're being grown in your own locale. And so now's, that's why I'm recommending to be now the time to buy them. 
Excellent. Wow, that was a spicy tip. That was a great one. Thank you, Mark. Mark, nice. Before we wrap, Helga, I know that we've been... We've been remiss in making time for your organic moment, and I know that our audiences miss it. I can certainly say that I've missed it, but yes, you're going to make an effort. You. <laughs> you're going to make an effert to share organic moments with us, and I think this I is do the have one to do it. Yes, we are. Um, my organic moment is um, the joyful announcement that we are on a bunch of new stations. We, we, ha- we have been getting comments to the show, which you can do at share at anorganicconversation.com from all the way Japan, Norway, Africa, um, which is, it's such a joy to know that, you know, we've created this this hour a week where people all over the world are actually listening in. And um, we have a handful of new stations and a big shout out to the stations that you can now listen to and organic conversations to, uh, Modesto, K-Gig, Vallejo, OSCAD Radio, Georgetown, K-Folk, Occidental Cows Radio and Creston Community Radio, CIDO, in British Columbia, Canada. So welcome to the mix. Big shout out to the work they do, keeping their community involved and informed and educated and entertained, for sure. And again, a conversation, look for local listings at your local station. If you want to have us on your local station, uh, reach out to us and uh, you know just let us know which station is there that you love, that you listen to, where you would like to hear us. And we'll reach out to the program director and they hopefully would join the expanding network of stations that air an organic conversation. Thank you always to our listeners. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg, Mark Mulcahy, and Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.